love riding my bike. I love running. I don't care what they think about it. I love it. At that point, when I knew I was going to win, chills just went up and down my entire body. I don't believe there are any good or bad foods. Food is food. I still feel so passionate about getting that record that I'm like, I'm just going to do it. As an athlete, I was like, what's my story or what's your story? What can you learn from it? And what can you teach people? Welcome to the Iron Women Podcast. I'm Haley Chura, and I'm joined by Alyssa Gadeski. I'm super excited to be back this week. Alyssa, thank you for holding down the fort last week with the extra special mailbag episode and giving me a week off since I uh, was in rough shape this time last week. I, I Coming out of the Ironman World Championships in St. George, I was uh, not doing super well and trying to get myself back together for the LA triathlon and um, yeah, it was, it was nice to, uh, get a little bit of a reprieve. So thank you for that. You're welcome, Haley. I think that, uh, yeah, doing a Ironman against like literally the best people in the world in the conditions that you guys had, and then traveling to a new state and then keeping like, yeah, your head on straight. I am not surprised you needed a week. I would have taken maybe a month. So, um, <laughs> I'm glad you're not taking a month and you're back with me because talking to myself for 30 minutes straight was I realized I do not have a future in radio broadcasting because I need you here. I need someone to like bounce the conversation back and forth. I was like, where's Haley's ability to talk to me about nothing? Because doing it alone is not that easy. <laughs> uh, we never talk about nothing. We always have lots of good topics and the uh, mailbags were good. I think that was a you know popular episode. So we'll have to um, see if people enjoy that. Maybe they want more of those mailbag only episodes. And if they do, they need to send us more questions. So send those into ironwomenpodcast at gmail.com and refill up the mailbag. And then if we get a bunch, if we get like this flood of mailbox, mailbag questions, we'll just do another mailbag episode with two people. And then you'll get two perspectives and it'll be great. Yes. And this week we are structuring our episode a little bit differently because we do want to talk about our recent races. Both of us have done a lot of racing recently. And so we're going to start with an interview and then come back and talk more about our races. So first up, we do have a quick chat with Alicia Kay. And Alicia is someone who's been on the podcast before, a couple times before, and you probably might know her from her racing career. She was a force on the non-drafting Olympic distance circuit. She won the Lifetime Series twice, the Toyota Triple Crown. She finished second at the High V Triathlon in 2014 and then went on to change her focus to 70.3s. She won several races at that distance and ultimately did qualify and race in the Ironman World Championships in Hawaii before stepping away from the sport in 2019. And so like I mentioned, she's been a guest on the show before. You've probably heard her talking about her whole home organization business, which is called Try Organizing. And you might have seen her on a moto or the race course sidelines at any of the recent clash endurance events in Daytona and Miami. So Alicia has recently taken on a bigger role within the clash endurance organization. She's now, I believe the director of professional athletes and initiatives. So she tells me about her new role within clash endurance and that organization's plans for both age group and professional athletes in the next coming months and why you as a listener or you, Alyssa, as a athlete should race a clash endurance event. So we'll have my conversation with Alicia right after this first break. 
Hi, Alicia. Welcome back to the Iron Woman podcast. Thank you so much for having me, Haley. And congratulations on your performance this weekend. Oh, thank you. Thank you. I'm uh, still trying to recover here, but chatting with you is, is giving me um, lots of vibes, good vibes on being back and uh, coming back to a uh, a hydrated and recovered state. But uh, so most of us, um, you know, we know you as a retired professional triathlete, a professional triathlete, retired professional mm -hmm. triathlete, professional organizer. And we've also seen you at the recent clash races in Daytona yeah. and Miami. You yeah. are often on the moto or on the side mm -hmm. of the race course, providing this in-depth commentary. But it's my understanding that your role within clash endurance has expanded. So can you tell us about what you're doing right now? Yeah, so I've known Bill Christie, the CEO of Clash, for years. I actually met him on a charity bike ride years ago, um, uh, and we just hit it off. He's just like the most wonderful guy, really passionate about the sport, and I was so grateful when he thought of me for the commentary, doing the field commentary, as you mentioned, and so I had a lot of fun doing that, and they kind of were, he's been sort of interviewing me for years, which I didn't know. <laughs> And eventually just had uh, kind of a position in mind for me. It kind of started as the pro athlete liaison and it's expanded into a business development role as well. So I'm helping a lot with um, kind of sponsorship sales and, and helping, you know, different brands know about what we're doing and, and what, how we're differentiated from what's out there on the market. But um, it's really fun to reconnect with the sport, reconnect with people I used to race with and in all the new faces, there's so much growth and development happening and uh, so far, it's been a lot of fun. And we know that uh, the Clash Endurance brand is is separate from Challenge Family, but it's related. Can you help yeah. explain that relationship? Absolutely. So we started out as Challenge North America. Um, and last year, um, we pivoted into becoming Clash Endurance. And our races still score towards the Challenge Family Championship for the professionals. So... For example, in Daytona, we saw Magnus Ditlev make like a huge move on, in those standings by racing Daytona and come second. So the Challenge family um, higher ups come to our final event in December. So we very much still have a cooperative relationship. It was just uh, strictly a renaming, rebranding um, moving forward. Okay. And Clash Endurance, that you create mm -hmm. races for both professional and age groupers. And you mentioned, you know, the race in Daytona and earlier this year, the race in Miami. And the video coverage of these events is like very, very impressive. And you have written that Clash actually does make a special effort to cover the pro race in, you know, make it accessible, make it so people can see it. Why do you think that's important? Yeah. Bill Christie, our CEO, comes from NASCAR, you know, so he really understands the power of television and the power of people being able to see what amazing athletes can do. And no one's really been able to do this well in our sport and truly provide good quality live event coverage. And what allows us to do that is these venues. Like it's, it's so incredible to be able to have um, the swim venue inside the bike venue, which is inside the run venue. And it's just, Everything is so inclusive and we're able to set up cameras in a variety of different places, which means we don't miss any of the action. So if Sarah Perez-Sala had a nasty crash like she did in Miami, we covered it from a couple of different angles. We don't miss the things that, you know, aren't happening in first and second place. Like we see a lot of live event coverage is really focused on. And that is because there's only 
so many cameras that they can have on the course. And if it's spread out, they can't be everywhere. But due to the nature of our venues, we can be everywhere. We see everything. And um, NASCAR Productions, who help produces our events, like, they always joke, you're like, you're not going 200 miles an hour. Like, this is a breeze. <laughs> so it's, it's really important to Bill. And, you know, we have just some amazing stories to, set, to tell. Like, if you followed our event in Miami, um, you know, Simon She is like a Rubik's Cube world record holder. And we covered his story in a vignette. Like, we are really trying to capture the human interest pieces and not just the tippy top of the, um, you know, the rankings. We really want to hit everyone because... We don't need an amazing field to have amazing coverage. We just simply need to tell their stories and tell the stories of the race as it's unfolding. So um, we are uniquely able to do that. Are there experiences that you take from your own pro racing career that you're now using to hopefully make the Clash Endurance experience better for current pros? 100%. Um, one of the things that Bill and I were aligned on straight away was giving the pro women an equal, fair opportunity um, at a clean race. Uh, one of my biggest frustrations as a pro triathlete, a female pro triathlete, was our race being interfered with by weaker pro men and by top age group men in iron distance racing. And so it was just something that I was really passionate about. So in Miami this year, it was the first time that from a coverage perspective, we completely separated the two races. We always had like a little bit of overlap, but um, it was like they were on different disciplines. And it was really beautiful in Miami because it was one of the first times in our sport, other than, you know, super short course racing, like what they do in the ITU or World Triathlon, um, where it was just a clean women's event. There was no, nothing else interfering with it. You know, we didn't have to worry about you know, if you watched Oceanside, like Taylor Nib, like constantly passing men on the bike and she shouldn't have to do that. She shouldn't have to burn matches to go around someone that's not even in her race. And that's one of the things that we are think are doing that is super groundbreaking and um, so overdue, <laughs> to be honest. And I'm really glad that it's finally happening. And um, that means we can also give 50-50 coverage. If you were to look at any live event coverage of a triathlon um, that is covering a men's and women's race, I think it would be very hard pressed if you sat there with a stopwatch to see equal coverage between the men's and women's races. And we are providing equal coverage. Um, so that those are two huge things that just historically don't happen in our sport and is a non-negotiable for Bill. It's one of the most important things when it comes to professional racing and um, really, really proud that he has made that a priority and that I get to kind of be a part of that change. And what about the distances that the athletes are racing? Because it is a little bit different than what we've seen in the sport. Otherwise, I think they're usually around a hundred kilometers total. Is that right? Yep. Uh, is that venue, you know, based or is that there's some rhyme or reason behind that? Yeah, we're having some fun with the distances. Like we're that's one of the ways that I think we're trying to be a little bit different right now and, and shake things up in the world of um, professional triathlon in particular, but also in age group triathlon. Like we've been stuck on these standardized distances forever. And you know, in Miami, we did something even more different. The, I think the women's race was right around three hours and the men's was around two forty-five. And I think you can expect to see kind of some unique distances moving forward. 
um, that are not necessarily traditional, we will always, um, the ratio of swim, bike, run will kind of stay the same, but we'll be using some kind of non-traditional distances where you can expect um, short course athletes and long course athletes to um, really go head to head and have really great battles versus, you know, leaning towards that 100K distance, which definitely, you know, leans towards that long course athlete. So I think we saw in Miami what happens when we shorten that distance, not by much, but just by a little. And all of a sudden, short course athletes are showing up and putting their hat into the ring. And it just makes for really exciting racing. So um, I think you can expect to see a little bit more of that from us. And so we've seen these races in Daytona, Miami on racetracks that were uh, very different. You know, Daytona is like one big loop. Miami had a lot of turns. And I believe there's a few new races happening in new locations this year that have, you know, maybe a racetrack theme, but very, very different experience. Can you tell us about them? Yeah. So we have two new events for us upcoming. So Watkins Glen is on July 9th. Um, that's a little bit of a different vibe because the swim venue is not inside the speedway, which was, um, you know, a lot different than our all inclusive venues like Daytona and Miami. So, um, at that event, the swim venue is about five miles outside of the track. So that'll be a bit more of a traditional triathlon, uh, because it's our first time there. We're kind of just really checking out what it's like to run a triathlon while a wine festival is going on. So inside the Speedway, um, there's going to be 30,000 people at a wine festival. (laughs) 30,000. Wow. Yeah. So they're going to be finishing in front of a whole lot of people that um, are also tasting wine. (laughs) So it's going to be really interesting. And, you know, so they'll swim at the swim venue, Seneca Lake, which is like glacier fed and absolutely beautiful. Um, and bike the 50 mile course, um, which is, you know, a single loop, which is a lot different. And then finishing up by running around the very hilly and rolling track inside the speedway. So that's Watkins Glen. And we've got Atlanta this fall and November. And that event is also brand new for us. Um, but no triathlon. Uh, there is no swim venue there. That event will be focused on our mountain biking and events as well as um, trail running. So we may be adding a few other events, but there'll be no swimming involved. So we are Clash Endurance also because we want to produce endurance events that are not just in triathlon. Um, so you'll see um, us kind of dipping our toe into that more and more as, as our business progresses. Wow. What a uh, crowd in Watkins Glen for that run. I mean, most people at that wine festival don't know what's about to hit them, but, um, but also that sounds like fun to like be at a wine festival and like yelling up for runners. I think I would enjoy that part too. Um, Watkins Glen is in July in New York. It has a $10,000 prize purse that's split equally between the men and women. So it pays $3,000 for first, $2,000 for second, $1,000 for third, is this a race that maybe newer pros should be targeting for race experience and exposure and maybe they could snag a podium spot and a paycheck? Yeah, that's what we're trying to do. Our, our premier events are Daytona and Miami, absolutely. And that's where you're going to see our heavier prize purses, um, our live event coverage, and, and really where we're able to execute something really well. We also wanted to create an event and a venue so that our up-and-coming pros um, will have the opportunity to race a Clash event. Um, Our first-place male and first-place female finisher um, in the pro race in Watkins Glen will automatically qualify for Daytona. 
we're capping the field in Daytona to 30 participants on our pro side, men and women. So it's going to be, um, you know, it's a bit more exclusive to get in and, and participate in the event with us. And it'll allow us to tell the stories a lot better um, in Daytona if we kind of bring down that field. So it's a great opportunity for up and coming pros for sure. And we're super close to Canada. So I'm hoping we're getting some Canadian pros coming down as well. Yeah, no kidding. And wine festival afterwards sounds like the perfect built-in post-race party. And we've been talking a lot about the pro race, but I know many of our listeners are age groupers. So why should they race a Clash Endurance event? Yeah, so I think from my perspective, what separates us from the rest is is really our family-friendly atmosphere. Um, we want to create events that will appeal to everyone. We're having such a variety of events too. Like in Watkins Glen, we have an open water swim event. We've got a 5k on Friday night, the night before, which is just really all about fun. And you'll continue, continue to see us offer just really unique endurance opportunities. We're seeing triathletes in particular start to play a little bit with endurance. Like what triathlete doesn't have a gravel bike now or a mountain bike? I think the pandemic made us realize you can't just ride the trainer all day long for your sanity. There's a little bit of fun cross training and we're seeing things like swim run really blowing up right now. And so it's, it's, we're trying to kind of provide those, those other um, interesting racing opportunities for triathletes, but then also to connect with those unique endurance communities like gravel, like mountain biking, like ultra running, and hopefully get them to become fans of triathlon. The, I think one of the funnest things is that you can bring an RV, stay inside the speedway. <laughs> I think as a, oh. I grew up like camping before triathlons as a kid and camping with my brother and we would race the next morning and we'd all be squished inside a tent. And I just have a lot of really fond memories. And I, that, I think that's like one of the coolest things that you can do at our events and, um, you know, rent an RV if you don't have one, but if you do bring it camp, just have fun and, and be with your family and, you know, there's going to be things for the kids to do. There's going to be things for mom and dad to do. Like, it's definitely a festival atmosphere inside of our events. I do love the uh, different events. When I was in Puerto Varas recently at the Challenge Family Race there, I, they had the, like, an open water swim. Like, all different open water swim distances the day before so the awesome. race. And I know Blaj Chok, who is a Hungarian athlete, he actually entered, you know, even though he was racing the next day. And I was a little bit tempted. I didn't realize like what time and, you know, just logistics and I showed up kind of late, but in the future I was like, oh man, that would be fun. He showed me his trophy too. He was like, get this giant trophy <laughs> but yeah. um, before his race even happened. But if you had someone who came to support you and didn't bring a bike, they could jump into a swim race or a 5k and get a little bit of the buzz going. Totally. And I think that's so fun. Like I remember I'm like really aging myself here, but when I was, I think I was 16 and Cornerbrook, Newfoundland used to host Canadian nationals and then a world cup two weekends in a row. And in between it was like endurance festival week and the town came out, the pros stuck around the entire week. There was 40 K time trial. There was like this really epic, like relay showdown, swim relay showdown where all the pros would like make these ridiculous relays. And like, this is like Barb Linquist, Jen, uh, Gutierrez days. <laughs> so Sheila Tormina, like I said, really dating myself, Siri Lindley, like, and it was so fun because it was mixed gender and it was just like really a blast. And so I have fond memories of, you know, do, going to these endurance festivals. And so when Bill said he wanted to kind of create this, it was, 
it just made so much sense because it, I had experienced it. It was a blast. We're going to cram it into two and three days. It'll be a little bit more intense, but having our all-inclusive venues, I think makes it really safe um, to create these events. And I didn't even mention this, but our event in Atlanta is on the Fox factory proving grounds. So like, it's not just like, Oh, we found some trails. It's like proper mountain bike trails. And it's like, I, I didn't even realize when I started working for clash, like the number of unbelievable venues, not only for triathlon, but for endurance events. Yeah. Atlanta is one of my favorite endurance event cities. So, um, I'm glad to see you guys moving in there. And if, pros or amateurs if they want to see what when the events are happening if they want to sign up how do they how do they do that yeah so uh www as always clash dash and uh usa.com and all of our event offerings are there um we're excited to continue to expand i think we'll you know slowly but surely see us about add events to our calendar um but this is just the beginning and Really hope to see lots of pros come race with us in Daytona and Watkins Glen. And uh, Haley, we got to get you to one of our events. I know, I know. The East Coast, I don't <laughs> get over to the East Coast as much these days, but I have watched all of them uh, with a lot of FOMO, fear of missing out, definitely, where I was like, oh, even Miami, which looked uh, slightly miserable with that heat. <laughs> Like, there's like a small part of me that was like, oh, I kind of wish I was there. Yeah, that was the, one of the most insane races to call, like I've ever called. Like, well, not that I've, you know, see, like covered a lot of races from a commentary perspective, but just the carnage was insane and was something like you would see in Kona, to be honest. But it was like around a speedway. It was just crazy. But so we had all the drama, but we covered it all. That was you did. You did an amazing job. You did an amazing job. It was, I know I have never, I have never seen a race like that, which shows that there's still experiences to have in endurance sports, even when you've been doing it a while. But thank you so much, Alicia. It makes me feel so good that Clash Endurance has you as part of their team. And I'm excited to see what happens in the next couple of years. And I, I am, I'm going to get to one of your races for sure. I will hold you to that. <laughs> Alyssa, I always love catching up with, uh, retired pros who are like very much not retired. They're still well within the sport, which is exactly how Alicia is. And I love this clash endurance, uh, like how they're able to put together these unique races. And one of the things we didn't talk about in the conversation, but I loved it when I watched the races is how they have these preems for things like fastest transition or fastest first loop of the bike. And I think as a spectator, it's made the races really, really interesting. And so I love the creativity they're bringing. I love unique race formats. And so I'm excited to see what Alicia and everyone at Clash Endurance cooks up for the coming months and years. Yeah, it's super fun. I feel like preems were a big thing like in the beginning days when I started getting into triathlon and then they slowly, slowly started fading away more and more. Some local races kind of kept them around and things, but it does. It makes racing more fun. It makes them it, like more exciting. And uh, yeah, it's just like another added layer, I think, which is a really cool thing. And I know that the Watkins Glen race, um, I went to that area last um, summer I think um for fourth of July and it's a really cool area like I I hiked I should have refreshed my memory on this but some sort of waterfall hike in the Watkins Glen like I think it's the Watkins Glen hike I don't know very family friendly hike really cool to do um the lakes right there it's beautiful and I think that 
yeah, I, I would be racing that if I didn't have some other summer adventures planned and stuff like that, but really cool area to go race in. So I'm excited that they're bringing a race there. And Haley, speaking of races, speaking of Alicia, fun fact, guess who I raced against this weekend in my 24 hour adventure race? Well, Alicia didn't say anything about doing a 24 adventure race. So I'm guessing it's not Alicia. Uh, who is it tangentially related to Alicia? So it's Alicia's husband, Jared Schumacher. Schumacher. I need to assess how the correct pronunciation of his last name is. But in the meantime, I will just call him Jared K and uh, just use Alicia's last name. But um, yeah, I raced against her husband, Jared, and he was a partner with Jenna Parker, I believe. She's a retired pro. Um, so we had quite a crew of triathletes out there at That's the adventure his sister. race. Hey, that's Jared's sister. Jenna oh, really? Parker and Jared Schumacher are, are siblings. Yeah. <laughs> but and they both race professionally as well. That family oh, has a lot of talent. That family. That also, I mean, they did look. I can see them as brother and sister, I guess. Um, but that's really funny. They had. They didn't tell. Yeah, they didn't tell me they were brother and sister. They have a. They had a funny dynamic. She seemed like very much like she got duped into racing, which actually makes a lot more sense that um she's his sister and he like really convinced her to do this adventure race with him and um yeah oh that's really funny I wish I knew that because I would have made some like sibling jokes but <laughs> I'm impressed you know that um I'm full of lots of triathlon trivia I feel like it's what that's what uh you know whatever however more than a decade in the sport gives me but wait how did this adventure race go did you how did you go against uh team Schumacher Parker as in the battle of triathletes in adventure races. So I would like to say we beat them in the one mile run to the pack raft, which what? was fun. That's huge. I Cause I mean, I they're fast. I don't, th I actually, I'm hundred percent sure they were not racing all out, but, um, actually, you know what? Maybe they beat us <laughs> thinking about uh it. <laughs> no, uh, they might've beaten us to the checkpoint. We got onto the water first and then they seemed like quite a pat, like they had, they were good at paddling. So they beat us in the paddle by a good chunk. Um, but then, you know, guys, I'm really drawing this out. We caught them at one point in the middle of the night, passed them and never looked back. So team Vert managed to beat the um, Schumacher Parker duo sibling duo. And yeah, we did, we did edge them out. Um, they were second in like, uh, if you combine all of the categories for the adventure race, they were second overall though. So they were definitely one, a team we were like wondering where they Wait. were the whole day. So the first two teams in this adventure race were made up of triathletes. Do yeah. I have so that right. You were first and they were second. Yeah, I know. It was like pretty that exciting is... because. <laughs> Very exciting for, you know, just triathlon skills translating to some other kind of usefulness. I know. I think it's, you know, I think it's a pretty natural progression, you know, in terms of people who have done triathlon and want to kind of pick up a new sport. I do think adventure racing is a great answer. I mean, triathletes love gear. There's a lot of gear to get. Um, you know, it, it allows you to keep the diversification that you have with triathlon, with your like sports and your training and stuff. Like there's always something else you can just be doing when you're sick of running or sick of biking or sick of swimming, you know, you can just pick like a different sport kind of thing like you do with triathlon training and things like that. So it definitely, there's a lot of parallels and I think triathletes are just used to training and they like to train and they like to be competitive. And so adventure racing is fun in that sense. Cause you can do all of those things.
Yeah. So, okay. So tell me about this adventure race. It was 24 hours. You had 24 hours to complete the course. I saw a little spoiler from uh, Instagram. I know that you did complete the course. I think you were the only team to like fully complete it. Sounds like there's running, paddling. What else was involved? And mountain biking. So um, the course definitely, it was in the Catskill Mountains. Um, and we had never been to the Catskills before, but the, you know, we've obviously done a lot of hiking and stuff in the White Mountains and the Green Mountains and the Adirondacks and all of my kind of like trail wait, 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 friends. What state? Um, New York. For those yes. of us who are not familiar with the Eastern U.S. Okay. Yes. So New the York Catskills state. are okay. in upstate New York and classic like East Coast trails. So they're going to be rugged. There's going to be like some scrambles at the top. Um, very like technical, hard terrain, both for the biking and the, the trekking and the bushwhacking section. So we knew that would suit us quite well. Like we've spent so much time in other places that are very similar. So we were looking forward to, you know, not being surprised by how technical or how hard it was. Like we were definitely excited for that part. Um, and then the mountain biking had, you know, you're on some roads, sometimes some gravel, some mountain, some single track, but then there were also some long stretches of rail trail and Haley. The triathletes really know how to time trial in a pace line on rail trails. So even if we're on mountain bikes, so um, we definitely had the opportunity, you know, it was fun to like, feel like I'm using a skill that I've really for the last 15 years have been like developing time trialing, right. And get to use it in a race. And like, it definitely was a competitive advantage for sure to like, know you can put in an hour hard, really hard effort like that, and then still have legs to like go do a 12 mile trek through the mountains, you know? So, um, so that was really fun and the course. Yeah. So I think it gave our team some specific advantages the way it was laid out like that, but we have worked a lot on other adventure racing skills in the past few months, like the nighttime navigation, um, just communication as a team and kind of balancing like who's navigating and who's doing what and, um, and things like that. Um, so that was really helpful. And then we had our third teammate for this race was uh, Will, who's a college buddy of Matt's. And he brought a great dynamic for us in. He raced with us once last fall, too. So it was only his second adventure race ever. Um, we keep throwing him into the fire. But he he does really great with us. And we, like, really enjoy racing with Will. So I think that is, like, a, a huge part of it because – when it's like 4 a.m. and you've been lost for an hour looking for the one point that you can't find on the course, um, you know, you need to like have teammates with a good head on their shoulders. And so um, we, you know, we all managed to just like ride the highs and lows pretty well. And we had a lot of fun. So it was a good day. It was definitely a, a good, it's the race is called the longest day and it felt like a very long day, but um, yeah, but it was exciting. So we, it was a regional championship race. And so by winning the regional championship race, we actually won a entry into the nationals championships race that's happening in September uh, out in California. So we're excited to get to go out Ooh. to California and do and race against some of the best teams in the country and kind of see how we stack up. You know, we still feel major, like majorly like rookies in the sport, but that's, you know, it's fun to be a rookie and to feel like we can be competitive and kind of, you know, hopefully make some teams out there a little nervous. So, um, so yeah, we're enjoying it. Is the nationals, uh, 24 hours as well. It's actually 30 hours. So a little bit longer, which is going to be a little twist. 
And did you like get some rest this time before you got in the car and started driving home? Or is that the, you know, the fourth discipline or fifth or sixth discipline of uh, adventure racing, the drive home? Definitely the fourth or fifth discipline. <laughs> um, we did just get in the car. There was a really good post-race meal afterwards. I have to hand it to the, the race that did that. So we got like a nice big breakfast in us, got some coffee, and we were able to kind of trade off with the driving again and get ourselves. This race was also closer. So, you know, we, we were able to do the whole drive home in one like shift and still be home in a reasonable hour to unload the car and like get a full night of sleep last night. So I feel way better the day after racing than I did for the last one when travel was kind of broken. We still had to get up at like super early the following day to get Matt back for work and things like that. Um, but yeah, that, that is like a still kind of mind blowing to me, but, um, the trick is, and a lot of people, you know, like makes me really want a van because everyone, you know, a lot of people had vans and like, Oh, we're just going to nap in the van. And then like then hit the road and I was like, oh, that'd be so nice. But then I was like, I can't nap in a Subaru cross trek with two huge guys that are going to take up all the space and be really smelly. So we just hit the road, made the best of it. I mean, you know, hotels exist, right? <laughs> well, it's um, a funny thing. You go nap in a hotel, so take a shower. But then, I, I mean, there, there would have been some hotels, I guess, if we drove a little bit, but we for lodging before the race. So the Catskills are like a um, classic, like rugged outdoorsy area so there's no like hampton inns right there's no days in o'connell lodges there's none of that there there's like bed and breakfast right so it was kind of funny we stayed at this like super random bed and breakfast in the catskills and the woman's like are you here like for a wedding we're like no <laughs> she's like are you here for you know like a i don't know a family reunion or like no and she's like okay well breakfast is at eight we're like we're gonna be out the door at four and she's like what like who are you guys what are you here for um and then the guy who had the room next to us at the at the B&B was just like snoring up a storm the night before the race. It was crazy. So you could hear it through know. the wall. Oh, yeah. Snoring? Because like, yeah, I mean, that tells you how loud it was. But also like, yeah, at a B&B, it's just like bedroom, like you're in your house. Right. So it's like there was just no it wasn't like a hotel even where there was like a thicker wall. It was just he was snoring away, cutting logs, sawing logs. What do they say? <laughs> um, well, when I drove from St. George to Los Angeles after the race, there were like a lot of signs that say like, don't drive drowsy, pull over. And I oh. thought of you. I'm like, they need those leading, um, leading yeah. adventure races. But I wonder why. Yeah, or you need a van as your extra piece of gear. Wait, it was when you said. were leaving St. George that you saw those? Or maybe it was outside Vegas. It might have okay. been outside Vegas. I don't know. There just are a lot of signs that say like, don't drive drowsy. And um I think as you're like driving through the desert and I imagine if you drive that at night, it would be very different, but well, and a was, lot of people um, leaving Vegas yeah, would be I, like I, I, super, nice. super tired. And like, drowsy. it would make sense that drowsiness is like a major factor in the Vegas crowd that's leaving. So that, that doesn't make sense, but yeah, don't drive drowsy people. Um, maybe I'll start a campaign at some point, but, um, Haley. Okay. So where do you want to start? You have been racing up a storm as well. And so we have the LA triathlon. I don't, I couldn't even quite keep track because I was in the woods of exactly what you ended up racing and everything this past weekend. Um, but you also had St. George two weeks ago now. And so 
I don't know, 10 days ago. How long was that really? Not that long ago. I feel like two weeks is too long, but, um, I know I was like two weeks. No, I think it was yeah. like one week <laughs> for one week and two days, but, um, yeah, that one, I haven't forgotten that. Well, I can start with the LA triathlon. Cause that was a kind of a, a cool event. And so I was planning to race the LA triathlon one week after St. George. So it was an Olympic distance try. I raced it last October, just had a really good time. And there was a part of me that just wanted to, the experience of racing one week after an Ironman as a coach and as an athlete, just to like know how that would feel. Cause it's not something I've ever done. And I also just wanted a reason to come to Los Angeles because my mom is here and the weather's nice here and the beach is here. And so that's one reason I I'd driven to St. George from Bozeman. And so then I drove six hours in the other direction and got to LA and I was planning to do the full uh, race at the Herbalife LA Tri Olympic distance. And the I think the day before the race, um, our Holly Lawrence uh, had, had a bike crash. So she was supposed to do the Pro-Am relay. And so that was a relay with, I think it was supposed to be with, uh, um, it was with Challenge Athletes Foundation athletes as well as celebrities, although I think the celebrities were a little bit – they needed more time to book things. They don't quite have my schedule where they can just uh, pivot in one day. So it was more Challenge Athletes and Foundation athletes, and then um, the pro triathletes were racing the bike leg. And so um, Holly obviously had crashed, and she – I think broke her bike. I saw it. she's okay. She was okay. Like, um, she had some road rash. I think she's mostly okay. Just maybe not in exactly the shape to race a, um, event the next day. And so I, I said, yes, you know, I was like, okay, you know, I'm, I really love unique events and I was there and I had all my stuff and I was like, okay, I can do this relay and step in as Holly Lawrence and our names are similar enough. So I got to race with Ahalia Lettenberger, who is a um, Paralympic swimmer. She was a silver medalist in Tokyo and the 200 IM. And she also swims at race, which was pretty cool because my younger sister, Hannah, she also swam at race, not the same time. Obviously, Ahalia is still there. And, but Hannah was there like 10 years ago. So it's, um, but you know, you have that alumni connection and she was our swimmer. And then, um, Roderick Sewell, who is a, I think he's the first and still only above double above the knee amputee to finish Kona. And he did that in 2018 and he was our runner. And so it was really cool. We, um, Ahalia was like such a good swimmer that she came out of the water first, Alyssa, like there were six no teams pressure. Oh my and, God. um, you know, I was, yeah, well, I was like, oh my goodness. And then, uh, Heather Jackson's swimmer, Chris Hammer, he kind of, he, he transitioned a little faster and we, I was like, can I just run down there? And like, they made us like wait on this blue carpet. And, um, so Ahalia got up and we, we got on the bike course second and I was behind Heather Jackson and, um, which is also very unique for me because usually it's Heather who's passing me on the bike. And instead I was trying to chase Heather and, um, I felt a lot of pressure because I was just like, Ahalia got us to such a good lead. I was like, I cannot be the one who blows this. So I did ride very hard and I passed Heather apparently while well, she had a flat tire. I never saw her, um, but I was just chasing her the whole time. <laughs> so I never saw, I didn't know where she went and I just figured she had pulled ahead. And then Lionel Sanders, 
Um, his swimmer, uh, I think it was Haven Shepard, who's also a Paralympic swimmer, came out a little behind. So he um, he did pass me early on the bike. And then they changed the course. And so it was actually much better than when I raced it last October. We did this like double out and back in the city. And um, so I got passed by Lionel again. I got laughed on that. So I was like, got passed by Lionel Sanders twice in one race. I was like, Lionel had passed me three times in one week <laughs> because he also passed me on the run in St. George. I was like, goodness, this guy. But um, it was uh, it was really fun. And I there were a couple out and backs and I could see Sam Long and Daniel Backegaard um, catching me. And it's such a unique experience to be like racing Sam Long and Daniel Beckegaard. I was like, that's normally, I don't really care about them, even if I see them on course, because we're not in the same race, but in this case we were. And so I was riding so hard trying to like, just not let them catch me. I was like, try to make it to 20 miles, try to do this. Cause it was a 24, 40 K 44 mile, 40 K bike leg and, um, Olympic distance triathlon. And so I held them off, I think, until it was like in the last two miles that they they caught me. And so I was within a minute coming to transition with Sam and Daniel. So it did work out. I handed off to Roderick. He ran the 10K run. And ultimately, we finished fourth um, out of six teams. So uh, Lionel's team was first. I think Daniel's team was second. Sam Long, third. I was fourth. Sky Monch was behind me. And Heather's team did get to finish. Heather got a spare tube. And um, and did, uh, you know, manage to make it back to transition. And, and so it was, it was just a really fun day. I mean, there was really good media attention on the whole race. I heard from a few of my friends who were able to watch online that they thought it was like one of the best covered races they've ever seen. Like as far as the media broadcast that the PTO did. And, um, I really enjoyed getting to meet more athletes from the challenge athletes foundation because, our race schedules don't often necessarily overlap. I guess Roderick does Ironman, but a lot of them are racing in the Paralympics. And um, so it was cool to to get to like know them, you know, and and even Halia, who is Paralympic swimmer, she has a history in paratri. And um, I think she's very young. She's like 21. And um, she definitely, I, th I could see the fire was lit to uh, come back to paratri and triathlon. So I hope to see her on a start line, a triathlon start line sometime in the next, you know, let her do Paris, graduate from college. She has plenty of time. She's only 21. And I also got to meet Alyssa Seeley, who has been on our uh, podcast. She was one of the swimmers and I, uh, you know, she's won a gold medal since we talked to another gold medal since we talked to her. So that was fun to meet her in person. And it was, it was just a really, really cool event. So I think that that was like exactly what I needed to kind of, uh, inject some fun into my triathlon life and remind myself that there are lots of different formats of racing. There's lots of different things that this sport has brought into my life and, um, and just really enjoy racing the streets of Los Angeles again, because that is, I love, I love that race. I mean, it's so unique to race in such like an urban setting and they close down all these roads and it's just, it's so cool. Oh, that sounds super, super fun. I was, um, yeah, excited that they were, cause the last time they did the race was October, right? So, um, it's cool that some, I feel like some marathons have done this too, where they had a race that was kind of a COVID postponement in the fall. And then they're coming back really quickly and doing it like on the normal date or time frame that they normally would, I think. So that's why I think it's, it was happening again. So soon kind of, it feels like so soon, but I guess it's not really that soon. Um, but it is really exciting to see that kind of getting some steam and like 
you know, because that definitely was like a staple Olympic distance triathlon for a while. And, you know, it'd just be great to see that New York city try like some of these staples, right? Like stick around and kind of maintain that status because they are important to the sport, I think. And they're doing great things. It sounds like, I mean, having a relay like that with challenge athletes foundation and getting to, you know, have all these amazing athletes together to do that, that is like super cool and it's very unique. So um, so that's awesome. You got to be a part of it. And I know, you know, you didn't do the full Olympic distance, but how did the legs feel like racing hard like that? I mean, that effort, you obviously haven't been training for a 40 K time trial. You've been training for a 112 mile time trial. Right. So how did the legs respond to like having to kind of find some, like a lot of power and, you know, were you like yelling at them as Sam Long was coming up behind you? Like, what is going on? This is like, you know, I'm ready for Ironman. Like, can we do this again? Like three of these courses, please. <laughs> oh no. I did not need three of those courses. 24 miles, 40 kilometers was about all I had in me. Um, I mean, I actually rode pretty well and I, um, during the week I'd found out like there was a problem with my rear wheel. And so I actually rode on my training wheel, which was a lot, uh, didn't look as good necessarily, but it was working a lot better. And so that was nice. And, um, I, I, I knew that I was not necessarily going to hold off Sam long. I mean, that would be a very, very significant, uh, power adjustment, but I was really happy with how my legs felt and how my body came out of St. George and, I, I do think that racing for a team, I, you know, I grew up swimming and there's something about being on a relay that just kind of brings out, you know, a different level in me. And that was definitely top of my mind. And I think I ended up riding like three minutes faster than I did last October. So, so I definitely, um, felt pretty good about my ride. And I, I mean, I will admit it was, uh, you know, I was like, maybe I swim too hard, but, um, but I was, or I'm just, I will admit it was in my mind that I did not have to run a 10 K off the bike. And I was like, you got to leave it all out here. There's no run after this. And so that was like, that probably was like my first bike only race ever. And so it is again, fun to have a new experience in the sport. And I did also get a chance to like talk to Charles Adama from the PTO, who's, uh, you know, I think he's, I don't know, his official title right now, but, um, and he explained, you know, the thought process behind the pro-am it is to highlight the challenged athletes foundation and those athletes, because they often don't get the credit they deserve for the caliber of athletes that they are. And then also to, you know, highlight some of the superstars in the sport, like Sam Long, Lionel Sanders, Heather Jackson, and uh, Sky Monch. And so I think that that was pretty cool. And then they also injected some extra money into the prize purse of the regular elite field at the LA triathlon. And so that race actually paid 15 deep, which was really cool and had a great prize purse for being a non-drafting Olympic distance race. And I think what we saw was uh Victoria Lopez won. She led that race from start to finish. Her swim was incredible. I will, there was a little bit of FOMO, like not being in the swim, but I think that uh Victoria showed that she is, I mean, she is a new Brazilian force on the non-drafting circuit and with that win there. And then Amy Sloan was second. She was second in the October version as well. And so really um strong uh, non-drafting Olympic distance athlete and Amelia Watkinson came up third. And I know Amelia 
had qualified for St. George, chose not to race, instead racing Anthony's, got second there, got third in LA, and I believe is targeting the uh, PTO Open races in uh, Edmonton and Dallas, and I'm assuming also the Collins Cup this year. So um, interesting, you know, choice of, of racing there for Amelia, but I think it is cool that the PTO put up more money. It was designed to hopefully allow some less experienced athletes uh, to do a, a race like that and make some money and hopefully have that breakthrough. And we might've seen that from Victoria Lopez. And so I think that it's a cool, a cool transition that we're seeing in the sport right now. So that race was, that was my next question. It was that, the, let me gather my thoughts. The pro race was happening at the same time as the relay. So you weren't able to watch like, cause it almost seemed like from the coverage that the relay was like a whole separate entity, which I was like, oh, this is super cool. But I, it was going on at the same time as the other, other race was happening. Yes. So the pro men started at 6 a.m. And then the pro women started at 6.03 a.m. And then the pro-am relay, our swimmers started at 6.08 a.m. So we started behind the pro race. So I don't, maybe Lionel might've caught some of the pro women, but I didn't catch anyone. And, uh, and so it was, it was definitely, um, it was cool to watch the swim. I mean, I haven't really ever been to, or I've spectated a few races that I wasn't racing in that had a pro race, but it, it's been a while. And so it was fun to like watch the swim, the start and the watch everyone coming out of the water because that isn't a vantage point I usually see. And it's, um, I know how it feels to go from like horizontal to vertical to running through the sand, but to watch people actually do it was so different. And I, I really, really enjoyed that. And it was, you know, fun to cheer some folks on as they came out of the water and started the bike. And then, um, my summer was not far behind. So then I got to, I got to head out there not too long after them. And, and I got to see some of the runners, I think the, Pro athletes were, you know, the pro men were coming in on the run, uh, just as I was coming off the bike. So it was, I mean, it was cool to like get to kind of be a spectator and an athlete at the same time. Oh, I love it. And I love that it kind of injected some energy and good spirits into, um, yeah, triathlon for you coming out of St. George and, um, yeah, we're all excited that you're you're back this week and feeling good and i'm sure you know we're excited to hear what you have coming up in the next few weeks too yeah next few weeks are going to be rest um because if we work backwards saint george was um i mean i i had not the day i felt like i trained for there and i think that's what made it a little bit hard for me especially in the days coming out just because my training was so so good going into saint george and so i had you know, decent expectations for myself and the swim went really well. And I, um, you know, I, I felt really good. I didn't think the water was as cold as advertised. And so I, I would have taken it a few degrees colder, but I think that's a unique position, but I felt really good. And, um, you know, I just really did enjoy leading that race. And the first, I think I led for the first 15 miles of the bike, which is longer than I expected. And, um, I think it was Lisa Norton who passed me, which was, again, someone asked me in LA, like, what does it feel like to, to lead the world championship? And it is very cool. It's, um, you have a lot of cameras on you and it's quite noisy, but I, it is kind of 
cool to be the person that, you know, Daniela Reef had to pass to, to get to the front of the race. And, um, I guess it was me and then Lisa, but, um, but it was, it was pretty neat to kind of also be the spectator in that situation as well, because I do admire those women a lot. And I, um, I struggled a lot with the heat and again, I, I, I had a definite wheel issue, um, I think my wheel was rubbing for like all 112 miles. So it's kind of disappointing to find that out after the fact, because that course was so hard. And I, again, I, I didn't need to make it any harder <laughs> myself. And, but I guess in the days since I've definitely been able to reflect on my performance and finishing 19th, you know, in the moment felt really hard. Cause I felt like I just went backwards all day. But now I I can kind of have a little bit more perspective and realize that it was I got to lead, you know, the world championship for a while. And then I still finished that race, even though it was really hard. And there were definitely a lot of moments that I did not want to finish. And I'm thankful for the people who cheered for me. I got so much crowd support on the course. I got a lot of, um, you know, people that said um, they like my kit, which always makes me smile, even though it's smiling on the inside. And Alyssa, one kind of fun experience was since it was a two loop run, I um, got a little bit mixed up in the pro men's race at some point, which was a little bit stressful, but um, just cause I did not want to like make it. So Braden Curry couldn't get water when he definitely needed it. Although I needed water too. So it's like, ah, finding that mix, but it kind of looked, I think like I was leading because I had all these motos and stuff behind me and my kit is a little bit brighter than Braden's. And so people were yelling at me and they're like, go Daniela, go Daniela. And I was like, I am definitely not Daniela and I'm definitely not leading, but, um, I guess I could enjoy that moment. But I did, did get to like be firsthand witness to watching Christian Blumenfeld pass Braden Curry to take the lead. And so that was pretty cool. Um, there was a lot of like hubbub around that moment. And I was uh, there just a little behind and on my first loop instead of my second. But um, and I'm sure, you know, many of us, many of us have been there where it's like you have an athlete who's a loop ahead of you and you're just like, oh, why can't I be that person? <laughs> Um, you know, when the like second set of, uh, whatever mile markers, um, you kind of wish that's for you, but it does, you do get there eventually if you just keep putting one foot in front of the other. And, um, again, thank you to, to people who cheered. I had people who, you know, said they listened to the podcast and that was, um, you know, really special and I was having a tough day out there, but it happens. You know, I think sometimes in sport and in life you get, you sometimes, you know, get lucky breaks and you sometimes get slightly less lucky breaks. And I think that day was a slightly less lucky day for me. And it's just one of those things like you can have all the training, everything going really, really well. And then for some reason on that day, things go a little awry, but, um, again, that's life and I will get over it and move on to something else. So, um, there's my St. George race <laughs> recap. <laughs> Oh, I love it. And there, your kit really did get, cause you got a lot of airtime. Um, and the kick definitely got some shout outs. So if you want to be like Haley, everyone, you can go to smashfestween.com and check out the, the bright cut. I don't think your exact kit is available for sale, but you, you know, the bright action, a lot of similar themed kits will be up there. And, um, it's always fun for me to hear like, yeah, the announcers being like, well, she looks so good. And with your bike and the helmet, it all looked really good. So you did put on a masterclass in like how to, I saw some things on Instagram. I didn't really realize where it started, where people were saying they were the best looking out of course. And I was like, no, 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 you guys, Haley Chura has that locked up. The coordination factor is like on point. I saw that too. I think Sam Long and Sky Monch were like a debating and 
there is no and then Laura Siddle entered and I'm like there is no contest like I make green and yellow look good and um I think I was you know I had the matching helmet matching shoes this time I'm like oh please I'm like you two or you three or whatever y'all had great races congratulations but I definitely won the um fashion show and I will take that crown and wear it proudly exactly exactly well I keep like trying to wind down to be like and our interview is but we changed the format and it's just totally messing with my brain this week so Haley we um I guess that's all we have to talk about today right <laughs> is that how we end things when we do the interview earlier in the show yeah that's it we got we can do our own little outro but um yes so I think that's it do you have any races coming up this week not this week Haley I'm but like there is no rest for the weary right now I'm pushing through one more big little push of like seven to 10 days of big training. And then I have two fifty Ks back to back weekends. So, um, still more racing on the Dang. horizon for me for the, for the foreseeable future, but, um, I'm excited. I'm feeling good. Um, it was, yeah, it was nice that this past weekend went good and went well. And, um, the fitness is coming along, which is nice. So I'm excited to keep on racing a little bit and practicing and yeah. Like you said, those days you can have all the best training and sometimes the days don't unfold as you want. So I'm, you know, hedging my bets a little bit, I guess, and racing a lot. So I can, you know, if something goes awry, I'll have a next one the next weekend. So that's good. <laughs> there you go. Well, that is a lot of, of racing to come uh, in the next couple of weeks, but Good luck as you recover from the most recent race and good luck with your little block of training. And I will talk to you next week. Bye Haley. You have been listening to the iron women podcast hosted by Haley Chura and Alyssa Gadeski. Iron women is a production of feisty media and is edited and produced by Lindsay Glassford head to livefeisty.com to find more podcasts, events, stories, and fresh perspectives. Thanks for listening. All right, Alyssa, I'm like starting to swim more again. And I feel like you were swimming a lot last year with, oh, with one water. And how did you keep your hair from get, getting so destroyed? I was swimming so much last year and I used to try hard, Kelly, and I still swear by it. They have extensively researched this problem and created a superior vegan, dermatologically tested proprietary blend. Try hard has shampoo, conditioner, body wash, and more stuff. Everything you're gonna need for your pre and post swim necessities. I've also seen that top pros like Chelsea Sodaro and Lucy Charles Barkley also praise the effectiveness of Try Hard. I think it's like definitely changed how good I feel just coming out of chlorine. And we have a code right now too for anyone who wants to try, you know, <laughs> try Try Hard and stop suffering from dry, itchy skin, having their hair get all, you know, green, which happens to me because mine's like super blonde and get all beat up. You can try any of the Try Hard products with the code 20FEISTY, that's 20FEISTY, for 20% off store-wide at tryhard.co. So that's 20FEISTY for 20% off at tryhard.co.
Chasing Epic is the essence of the Orca brand. It is about seeking the moments in life that make us feel truly alive and connected with the beauty of the world around us. And let's be real, Chasing Epic is feisty. Orca has been a longtime partner of Feisty, and we work with them year after year because we love their products and their commitment to creating amazing wetsuits made for women. They also supported me on Team USA last year at the One Water Race, which was most definitely also Chasing Epic. With Orca's range of triathlon wetsuits, including Apex and Athlex, you can choose between flexibility, buoyancy, or a combination of both. There's a wetsuit for every triathlete and for all of your epic adventures. And as a feisty listener, you can get 15% off with the code IRONWOMEN15 at orca.com. Alyssa, AminoCo has been a longtime podcast sponsor. And every time I'm listening to the show and I hear our AminoCo ad, I'm always shocked to hear how AminoCo co-founder Dr. Robert Wolf has run a marathon in under two hours and 30 minutes, 62 times. I just can't believe that's a real stat. Me either. It is very impressive. And it gives me a lot of confidence. Dr. Wolf knows what he's talking about when it comes to performance and recovery. I actually took AminoCo Heal before and after my recent knee surgery. I've been using Heal a lot after really big workouts as I've started to ramp up my training. And I also use my personal favorite, AminoCo Perform, before and during my hardest sessions. Do you have a favorite flavor? For Perform, I definitely go with the Strawberry Lemonade. It has a really light flavor and a little bit of caffeine that I think helps keep me focused during my really tough intervals. And for heel, I like vanilla. I just feel like vanilla gets me into recovery mode. What about you? The vanilla heel is my favorite too. I find it mixes really well into my post-workout shakes that I make. Wait, what do you put in your shakes? Well, oftentimes just whatever I have in the fridge, sometimes vegetables, sometimes collagen, you know, whatever I have. Summer shakes are way more interesting because it's like I make them cold, but the winter shakes are a little less fancy. Do you ever add snow to your winter shakes? <laughs> I mean, I'm going to start doing that now. <laughs> I don't know, make sure it's clean snow. I am not quite as fancy. I just add water. It, I think it still works pretty well. But uh, however you like your Amino Co, you can rest assured that in clinical trials, muscle protein synthesis from exercise more than doubled by athletes using Perform and Heal was shown to trigger muscle growth and repair better than other high quality protein sources. Head to AminoCo.com slash IronWomen to see very large photos of me and Haley using AminoCo products. Then select your favorite products and use code IRONWOMEN for 30% off at checkout. First-time purchases also come with a free gift. That's AminoCo.com forward slash IronWomen and code IRONWOMEN for 30% off.